Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our Truth Partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a Truth Partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. While he was still speaking, some came to the ruler of the synagogue's house, who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him, except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talata Kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. Mark 5, 35-42. I want to preach a sermon this morning called Buried Alive. And, you know, many people that are here today have had things that God has spoken to them, dreams, hope, destinies that God has spoken to you that we have buried. You know, this beautiful story of Jesus where he hears, heals this 12-year-old girl. And as a father of a 12-year-old girl, I can't help but put myself in this story. And the word death means separation. When we say somebody's died, it means that their body went to the grave and their spirit went to be with the Lord. How many of you believe that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord? Can I get an amen about that? Like that's. How many of you believe heaven's a real place? Come on, it's a real place. And we are body, soul, and spirit. That I am a spirit, I have a soul, which is my memories, my functions, my dysfunctions, my personality, and all of that is in this body. Body, soul, and spirit. This is our house. Everybody say, this is my house. This is my house. Some of us have a tall house. Some of us have a short house. Some of us have a, a little house. Some of us have a big house. 
Some of us have a white house, a black house. My wife's a brick house, whatever it is. But, but uh, this is our house. And we have a soul, but we are a spirit. And uh, this, this little girl, we don't know why, but for whatever reason, she, she died. And the father um, knew about Jesus. And so he goes to find Jesus. And while he's trying to get to Jesus, people, whether it's people, whether it's the crowd or whoever, uh, comes to him and says, hey, leave Jesus alone. Your daughter uh, has died and you need to now come and attend this funeral. You need to bury your daughter. It's over. You know, quit bothering Jesus. Leave Jesus alone and you need to attend to this funeral. You know, it's been said that the graveyard is the wealthiest place on earth because it holds so many unfilled potentials and so many unfilled dreams. As a, a pastor, I take the staff typically out once a year and I'll load them up in the, the buses and we'll go to a graveyard and we'll walk around and you say, look, look at, the, look at this person's younger than me. You know, this person... You know, look at this guy, look at this, this lady, look at this, this family, this couple. And the grave is real. It's, you realize that it's final. And only what you do for God counts. Only what you did for God is what you'll take to heaven with you. And that's the power of the resurrection, the power of what Jesus did on the cross. The power of what he did on Easter Sunday to come out of the grave and said, I have conquered death, hell, and the grave. How many of you are thankful for the price that Jesus paid on the cross and you're thankful for a God that has victory over the grave? But today, I really want to challenge you because I think that there are some of you uh, who have buried some things that God has placed down in your heart. And that's the question that I want all of you to ask is, what are the things that you have buried in your own heart and in your own life? What are they? You know, for some of you, it's your purpose. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans, the purpose that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? Prosper you and not to harm you. God has a purpose for your life. And many people don't know the purpose that God has for them. And, and that's okay because we know somebody who does know and his name is Jesus. And so if you wanna know the purpose that God has for you, you've gotta have a relationship with Jesus. He says, I know the plans and the purpose. And I can't tell you how many people have literally made the decision today to just toss their purpose into the grave. They've tossed it. They've thrown their purpose into the grave. You can throw it, just throw it right into the grave. And people have done that. And they just said, it's over. I don't know, I don't know the plan. I don't know the purpose. I'm giving up on life. I'm, I'm just quitting. I'm walking away from it. I came today to tell you, do not forfeit your purpose. Many people have forfeited their dreams. You used to dream. I mean, Liliana, when she came out here, she's five years old. I guarantee you, she's got some dreams. She's got some things she's hoping for today on her birthday, especially around Christmas. Your kids get those Christmas catalogs. Anybody get them and they just, 
she circles, she's, she stops circling stuff. She's like, I'll just take this page. Just this whole page and this page. And I'm like, I, we gotta talk because you, you are way off from reality. She's got some dreams. You used to dream. You used to believe God for big things. But because of hurt, because of disappointment, because of pain, maybe you're sitting there today and you've just decided, you know, to throw your dreams into the grave and walk away from that thing that God spoke into your heart, that thing that God spoke into your life. Even as a little boy, as a little girl, there were things prophesied over you. And I want you to know God has not forgotten the things he's spoken over your life. Many of you have decided to bury your life. You know, God has great things in store for you. You know, I don't care whether you're 40, 50, 60, you're 70, you're 80 plus today, and you think, well, that's it, that's all I'll ever be. I've, I've reached the pinnacle, I'll never be any more than this. You know, I'm just this or I'm just that. Why do you keep labeling yourself? Because when you label yourself, you limit yourself. Who's to say you couldn't do this? Who's to say you couldn't be that? Who's to say you couldn't accomplish this? When the Bible says your latter days shall be greater than your former days, that God's gonna do more in the second season of your life than the first season? Why would you quit? Why would you forfeit? Do not be the person that takes their life and throws it into the grave. Believe God that he's still faithful to begin a good work and he's still faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen if you believe that. Hope, everybody shout hope. hope. What are you hoping for? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What do you believe in God for? If somebody walked up to you and said, what do you want God to do? I don't know. You know, I just, I don't really know. Used to hope, used to dream. It's time to hope again. Paul says, if we didn't have hope, we'd be of all men most miserable. Some of you are absolutely miserable to live with because you have no hope. We've got to get hope back. Everybody say, bring hope back. Enough with bringing sexy back, bring hope back. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our Truth Partners. If you're interested in being a Truth Partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select Truth Partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you. It's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the word. We don't need you sexy and hopeless. We need you to be hopeful. Let's bring hope. Let's refuse today to throw hope into the grave. Let's refuse. Say, I'm not gonna do it any longer. I'm gonna start hoping again. I'm gonna start dreaming again. I'm gonna take authority over my life. This is a big one, identity. I came today and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I just want you to know, I am not ashamed of the word of God. It's okay, if God made you a man, you need to be the man that God made you to be. If you're a woman, be the woman that God made you to be. Don't let society tell you to change your identity. Your identity is not in your skin tone. Your identity is not in your ethnicity. Your identity is not in the fact that you're American. Your identity is not in the fact that you're male or female. Your identity is in Christ. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. That before I am anything, I am first a child of the King. Paul says when you give your life to Jesus, you're no longer Jew, nor Gentile, nor bond, nor free, nor male, nor female, but you are one in Christ. 
to live as Christ, to die is gain. Your identity is in Christ. And the world won't want you to tell you your identity is what you did. You did this, so you must be that. You had this experience, so you must be that. You are what you did. The world tells you you are what you did. I came to tell you you're not what you did. You are who God says you are. You can do what he said you can do. You can have what he said you can have. Your identity is in Christ. And today, refuse to throw your identity into the grave. And say, I'm going to live for Christ as a teenager. I'm going to live for Christ as a young adult. I'm going to live for Christ as a man or a woman. Vision. Everybody shout vision. I told you, write the vision. Make it plain that all that see may follow thereby. One of the visions that God gave us that I stood on this stage nine months ago and said that God gave us. And we're going to keep moving forward to accomplishing it. And there's several more things that in that process to do it. But I'm proud to say that one of the visions God gave us was to raise enough money to purchase an ultrasound bus to provide free ultrasounds to save babies. And I'm proud to say we've raised enough money to purchase that bus. Somebody say amen about that in nine months. Yes, we're, we still need to renovate it. We still got to purchase our ultrasound machine. Yes, we still got to get the right staffing and personnel. But I'm proud to say we've taken the first step to raise the money to purchase that bus. Come on, to God be the glory. And you don't have to clap about it. We celebrate life here. We believe that God and God alone is the author of life. And if you're ever a young lady and you find yourself in that situation where you feel like I have no option but to abort my, your baby, I'm here today to tell you you have another option. That's to choose life. And you say, I don't have a family. You do have a family. It's called the family of God, and we will help you. We will stand with you. We will support you. Come on, somebody say amen about that. You have that option. That's one of the visions. Do not throw the vision into the grave. Don't throw it into the grave. Write that vision for your family, even if it tarries. Even if the vision tarries, the Bible says, wait for it. Somebody say, wait for it. In the end, it will speak and not lie. Faith. Everybody shout faith. faith. We're not going to throw faith into the grave. You know, this young man represents a next generation that wants to walk away from the faith. Say, oh, that was for my parents. That was for my grandparents. That was, that's old. That, that Bible stuff, you know, that's, that, that's, that's, that's just for, you know, old people. You know, God's not into that. You know, God's, you know, Jesus isn't on TikTok. He's not on Instagram. You know, that, that faith stuff is, that, that, that's for the old people. And that's for grandmama. I'm here today to tell you that that faith is not just for grandmama. It's not just for mama. It's for you. That the same God that saved them loves you, wants to save you. We've got to impart this faith to the next generation. God doesn't have grandkids. He has kids. And the only thing you can take to heaven with you is your children. And it's time as parents, as grandparents, that we get involved in the lives of our children and teach the stories. Come on, somebody say amen. Teach the testimonies. Tell them that mom and dad weren't always good, but there's a God that saved us and changed us and healed us and put a new song in our heart. And we are who we are today because of our faith. And we're no longer going to just throw our faith into the grave. We're going to believe God for the next generation. In the next generation, every single week, we prophesy our children and our grandchildren will all spend eternity in heaven. Come on, does anybody believe that today? That's our promise. <laughs> Lastly, our marriage. We're not going to throw our marriage away. I know for a lot of us, it may, it may seem like it's not, it's not going great. It's not going well. You know, Pastor, we're just not happy. Who told you you would be happy? I've done a lot of ceremonies. And in my life, I never, 
I never, we never vowed eternal happiness. We said things like, in good times and in bad, in, in sickness and for rich or? Yes, there's good days and, and, and there's bad days. It's not about happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. And if something good doesn't happen, well, I'm not happy. You know, the Bible says what God has joined together, let no man tear asunder. And I realize that most of us in this room have been affected by divorce by a friend or parent or child or family member who's been affected by divorce. And if anybody's been affected by it, you'd agree with God and just say, man, I just, I just, I just hate the whole thing. It's just, it's just awful. But God doesn't hate you. And if you've gone through that or you've been affected by it, I came to tell you there is life after it. Somebody say amen about it. And we serve a God that can heal and restore not just the challenges, but the years that the pommel worm and the canker worm and the locust ate up. So many people are so quick to just throw their marriage in the grave because if I do and don't like it, then I don't. And maybe you feel like it's dead and maybe you feel like it's over. But I came today to tell you that we serve the God of the resurrection. And let's refuse to throw our marriage into the grave. Refuse to do it. You know, I love about this story is that this, this father comes and he finds Jesus and while he's trying to talk to Jesus about, my daughter is sick, Jesus, my daughter, you know, I need, I need her, I need you to heal her. And he's got this faith that if he can just get to Jesus, that everything will be okay. And right in the middle of it, people come and they stop him and say, hey, leave, leave Jesus alone. You've got a funeral to attend. You've got a burial to attend. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying every time you get ready to have the faith to believe God for your miracle, the enemy will always send people that want to help you mourn. People who want to encourage you to just attend the funeral. People who will just want to encourage you to say, hey, just, just give up on your faith. Come on, you got a funeral. Come on, it's time to, it's time to bury that marriage. Come on, it's time to bury that, that family. It's time to bury that purpose. You know, it's time to bury you know, those dreams. You, know, you, you just got some crazy dreams. We need, we need to bury that. We need, many times they encourage you to bury it because they buried their dreams and they buried their hope and they buried their marriage and they buried their faith. So misery loves company. And so they want to encourage you to bury your dreams and bury your faith and bury your marriage and bury your purpose. But you've got to decide in your heart that I'm going for Jesus. And right in the middle of it, when these people were getting ready to mourn all of the dreams and the identity and the marriage and the faith and the hope and the love, right in the middle of it, when they said, come on, you got a funeral to attend. Come, you've got to mourn. Jesus heard it. And Jesus stopped him. And he looked at the dad and said two words, just believe. I don't even need you to say anything. I don't need you to do anything. I just need you to believe because our faith is not just proven in our actions. Our faith is not just proven in our words. Our faith is really proven in what we believe. Jesus said, if you believe on me, as the scriptures have said, then out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So what are you saying, pastor? I'm saying never let people pull you away from Jesus and force you to attend the funeral of your own life. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, 
and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, Loose him and let him go. John chapter 11, 38. Just a few verses before it, there's uh, John 11:35, which has gotten many of you out of a lot of Bible quizzes. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Don't tell me that masculine men don't cry because the most masculine he-man of the New Testament, nobody was more masculine than Jesus. And the Bible says that he wept and he wept because we weep. You know, the reality is we do serve a God that is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And he comes to the house of his friends, Mary and Martha, and cries because Lazarus is his brother, Lazarus is his friend, and his friend is dead. And when you read this text, you can literally feel the heaviness of the room, the awkwardness of the room. It's one thing when older people pass, because even though it's sad, we can kind of reason that we're not going to live forever. But Lazarus wasn't old. He was a young man. He was the friend of Jesus. He didn't write a book of the Bible. He performs no miracles. But he was Jesus's friend. He's the guy that Jesus went to the game with. He's the guy that Jesus ate with. He's the guy that said, hey, let's get together and grill. Let's hang out. He was the friend of Jesus. And Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick. And a message gets sent to Jesus to come. Lazarus is sick, and he's not just sick. He's sick unto death. And there's an expectation that Jesus is going to respond quickly. Have you ever had those crisis moments in your own life when you need Jesus to show up instantly? I'm the only one in here. Has anybody else ever had that moment? Come on, you're going to leave me out there all by myself? Has anybody ever had that moment when you're like, I just need him to show up now? And we always think that Jesus is going to come run into our crisis. And this, this passage is a little hard to preach because... 
you know, I can give you thousands of verses where, uh, you know, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his troubles, that his arm is not short, that he cannot save, and his ear is not heavy, that he cannot here and 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 while we're praying he's already got the answer on the way we've we've got all these verses about that but the Bible tells us that Jesus heard that he was sick and Jesus just hung out he just he didn't come he just didn't leave and get going and show up and uh, I don't know how you define friendship but I kind of define friendship with be there moments like, this is a be there moment. This is like, hey, this is life and death. You're my friend, I need you. This is be there and Jesus doesn't show up. And it's hard because he showed up for so many other people, the blind uh, man who just cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. The woman with the issue of blood, he spits in the eyes of blind people and they're healed. Miracle after miracle after miracle. And it's kind of like Jesus had this habit of just showing up right when people needed him the most. But he waits around until Lazarus dies. And sometimes I've needed him badly and I stayed up till two or three o'clock in the morning because I needed him really bad because if he doesn't show up with bad, bad does have a stopwatch. Bad can get to worse. Has anybody ever had bad get to worse? And I called you when it was bad. I asked you to show up when it was bad. And I had a hurry up prayer with God. I need you right now. And maybe I can understand you not showing up if you're busy. Like, hey, he's really busy. He got tied up. He's doing this big conference. He's at this arena. There's, there's thousands of people are trying to help. You're just hanging out. What is wrong with you? Like, we're, you're my friend and I need you to show up and you're not busy. You're just not coming. And there's this mindset almost with God's brand that, that he's got to do it quick. And this isn't great for his brand. Like, come on, Jesus, show up. Get this thing done quick. Because if you don't show up quickly, quickly is going to turn into bad and bad is going to turn into worse. And Martha is upset because she's like, you didn't show up. And I had to sit there with my brother while he was dying. And I had to watch him leave in layers. And I had to listen to the death rattle get down in his throat. And I had to watch him leave and gasp for air and struggle to breathe. I watched it. I had to watch him take his last breath and watch him grow cold and wrap him in grave clothes and go to the funeral and you didn't show up. And then all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. Here comes Jesus. They're having a meal. It's four days after the funeral. He missed the funeral. And he didn't just miss the funeral. It's four days since he died. And now you coming in here, talking about get you something to eat? I don't know, I just put myself in this situation. I know some of y'all are extra safe and you would be fine. You wouldn't have a problem with it. You'd be totally good. And you'd be like, Jesus, oh, I love you. I'd be hot mad. You're gonna show up now. That's how some of you are with God. You're gonna give me the job now. You're gonna give me the wife now, the husband now. 
now that I have reason that I'm never getting, getting married, now that I'm moving, now that we've purposed, we're never going to have kids, here you come. And Jesus, I fed you. I took care of you. I'm the only house you ever stayed at in this city. And every time you came, I took care of you and all 12 of your ugly disciples. I fed all of them too. I took care of them. I fed them. I provided. I did all of this. I served. I served. Because there's this mindset that if, that if, if Jesus needed you, you'd be there. There's this mindset in you of like, Jesus needs me on Sunday morning, I'm showing up. What time do I need to be there? I'm there. You could call me Jesus at 2 a.m. and I would be there. And now I need you? And you're ghosting me? When I need you. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but have you ever been mad at God? See, I know you can't say that because you're in church and you feel bad to even agree with that. But I know what it's like. See, you, you ain't lived yet till life has handed you something and Jesus didn't show up when you thought he would show up, how you thought he would show up, and you're mad. I know it's not right, but I'm human enough to admit it. I know what it's like to be mad at Jesus. I know what it's like to be disappointed. And I thought you'd fix it, and I thought you'd heal me, and I thought that you'd heal it and bless it, and I thought I'd be married by now, and it'd be fixed by now, and healed by now, and we'd have kids by now. And I don't need people to talk to me and preach to me about what do I do when God answers prayers. I know how to act when God answers prayers. What I need you to tell me and teach me is how do I act when he doesn't do what I want him to do, when I wanted him to do it, how I wanted him to do it. And now I'm trying to be in love with a God I'm mad at, trying to usher for a God I'm mad at. I'm, I'm, I'm out here serving in kids ministry for a God I'm disappointed in. I'm up here singing songs and he didn't heal or do or deliver or make a way when I wanted him to. And now I'm up here singing. See, y'all can't say amen about it. Y'all, y'all, y'all oversaved. But on half of us real people, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like I'm in church, you got your hand up, you're singing. Praise the Lord. God bless you. He's good all the time, all the time. Gotta go. And I'm mad. And I'm upset. Because you could have been here and you weren't here and you could have done it and you didn't do it. And then he shows up. He shows up and while I'm angry because I think you don't care because you weren't here, he starts crying. Because we serve a God that is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And he begins to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. Romans 12, 15. And Jesus makes this statement. It's a powerful statement. But Jesus says, take me to the place where you laid him down. And I love this verse. Basically what Jesus is saying is, take me to the place where your faith gave up. Take me to the place where you stopped believing. Take me to the place where you stopped serving. Because you stopped serving and you could take me to the place that made the incident that happened that made you stop serving. Take me to the place that made you stop tithing. Take me. Take me to the place that made you stop praying. Because you used to pray, but, but you stop and it's dead. Take me to the place where you buried your marriage. Take me to the place 
the incident that destroyed the relationship with you and your child. Take me to the place that caused you to have more fear than faith. Take me to that moment that caused you to question your identity, your purpose, your hope, your faith, and your love that with me all things are possible. Take me there. See, sometimes you got to take Jesus there. Take him by the hand and say, this is, this is the grave. Come, Jesus, this is where I buried my dreams. Come on. Come, Jesus. Let me show you where I buried, where I buried my faith. I grew up in church. I used to serve. I used to be involved, but I buried it. And there's a moment, there's an instant where I, I locked it away. See, sometimes until you get to that place where you're willing to take Jesus by the hand, where and take him to the place where that pain, that heartache, that difficulty, that question, that tomb, and let God resurrect it. Only Jesus can resurrect it. And Jesus makes a statement, he says, roll the stone. Because some of you didn't just bear it, you put a stone in front of it. You've blocked it out, it smells. And Jesus says, roll the stone away. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. It's right before he says that there's this interesting moment where Jesus is having a conversation with the Father. He goes, I don't even have to say it. I could just think it. And, and he would come out because you and, you and I, Father, are so close like that. But for the sake of those that are around me, I'm going to say it. And he speaks that Lazarus come forth. And instantly Lazarus comes out of the grave. And he's hopping. He's bound head to foot. And Jesus speaks to the disciples and says, loose him and let him go. See, only Jesus can bring you back to life. But then you need the church and the disciples to untangle you. Because some of you are alive, but you're bound. And that's why you need the power of the church. That's why you need discipleship. That's why you need small groups. That's why you need to get connected to the body of Christ so that you can be loosed. But only Jesus can bring you back to life. With one word, one word. He brings him from death to life. He says, I am the resurrection and the, the life. And I don't know what you've buried today. I don't know what you've thrown in the grave. But there's a, a really interesting story in, I believe it's 1829. There was a, uh, back in, in this, this time period, people um, many times would be buried. They they thought they were dead and they weren't. There was like, they'd have such low blood pressure, there's no machines or anything to hook you up to to check your EKG or anything and they'd bury them. Or some people, you know, they'd put them in here and, and so people would be coming back to life but they'd be buried. And so this person invented this, what they called a safety coffin. And it was, a, it was this, this coffin and they would lay you, I think we have a picture of it actually. They would like put you in this coffin and in the coffin, uh, they would attach a string uh, to your your foot and attach a string to your your hand. I don't know if we have a picture. Can they put the picture up if they haven't? A string to, there it is, a, a string. Uh, and, it, and they would put a bell on top of the, the coffin. And, and if you woke up, can you imagine? <laughs> you woke up, you, you can start moving and, and it would, that bell would start to ring. So what they would do, they would, they would have a, 
a watchman that they would put in the cemetery and this watchman would start walking around the cemeteries and he would be listening if there was life. And I don't, know how, I don't know how you feel, but can you imagine being this watchman and all of a sudden you hear that bell going off in this cemetery? And what that meant was somebody that they had buried and that everybody thought was dead was not dead. They were actually alive. And they couldn't scream, but they could ring that bell and say, hey, there's life in here. And I came today to tell somebody, you may have buried your dreams, your marriage, your children, your purpose, your love, your faith, your hope, but I came today to tell somebody, you need to ring the bell and say, there's life in this marriage. There's life in this family. There's life in this, in this home. I'm not burying my marriage. I'm not burying my dreams. I'm not burying my faith. There's life in here. Start ringing the bell and say, I know they had a funeral for me. I know they buried me. I know they said it's over, but it's not over because I serve the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, he that was dead, if he believes on me, will be made alive again. See, this is the good news. This is the good news. It's not about, it's not just, it's not about prosperity and things and money and, and cars and homes and, and fame and how many followers you have and all this kind of stuff. It's not about that. It's about resurrections. It's about dead things coming back to life. This is what the Bible refers to as true riches. True riches are things money cannot buy. You can't go to the store and buy a great marriage. You can buy health care but you can't buy health you can buy a house you can't buy a home you can buy a ring but you can't buy marriage these are the true riches that only God can restore only God and I don't know what I don't know what you've gone through in your life but you're not here by chance today you're not here by some circumstance. And maybe it's just like, you know, hey, that whole thing that I was involved in, it just, it just died. Well, okay. Let's believe God to bring something new in your life and a new resurrection. Maybe that business you had and it died. Okay, well, let's believe God that out of its ashes to bring a new a new business, a new idea, a new creativity. You can't just go, well, I failed once and, and that's it. I was talking to a young person the other day and they're just like, I failed and, and when I fail, I just have all this self, you know, I just feel terrible, I beat myself up. I said, yeah, that's all self-loathing and self-pity. That's all your flesh. It's not about how many times you fall, it's about how many times you get back up again. I said, do you remember going to the men's conference and all those young guys were racing and, and the first thing they did, as soon as they, went, as soon as they took off, they all fell down, we knocked them down. And nobody, nobody was disappointed that they fell. We expected them to fall. But we expected them to get back up. It's not about did you fall. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not about if you fell, it's are you going to get back up. Today's the day to get out the grave. Today's the day 
to say I'm coming out. My marriage is coming out of this. My faith is coming out that grave today. My hope is coming out the grave. My dreams are coming out the grave today. My life is coming out the grave. My identity is coming out that grave today. And I'm ringing the bell on my future and my destiny. You know, it reminds me before we go is the, the woman with the issue of blood. You know, Jesus was a priest and the only, the only instrument that was allowed into the holies of holies was, a, was bells. It's the only instrument that you could take into the presence of God. And it was around the, the, the bottom of the, the robe of the priest that were bells. And he would go in and you knew he was alive. You knew there was life because you could hear the bells. It's the only instrument that you could take into the holies of holies. And Jesus being a priest, the Bible says that this woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, same with the girl who had been dead, who, who was 12 years old, who died, that Jesus brought back to life. This, this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. And the Bible says she was going through the crowd and the Bible makes a statement. It says, she said to herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying it's not what she told people that healed her. It's what she told herself. You are where you are because of the story you tell yourself. Change the story you tell yourself. Quit saying, my marriage is awful. I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm lonely. I have no hope. I have no dreams. I don't know my identity. You are where you are because of the story you tell yourself. You need to change the story you tell yourself. She said to herself, if I may but touch, if I may but touch, if I may but touch. She's, she's on her hands and knees saying, if I may but touch. People are pushing her and hitting her, if I may but touch. She's saying it to herself so she can't hear all the other people saying, leave Jesus alone, get out of here. And she just kept saying to herself, I cannot hear them and hear me at the same time. And so I'm going to hear me rather than hear them. I'm going to say my faith rather than hear their doubt. If I may but touch, if I may but touch, if I may but touch. And she touched Jesus. Jesus didn't touch her. She's the only one in the Bible that got a miracle because of who she touched. Some of you come to church every Sunday waiting on somebody to touch you. You come to church every Sunday waiting on Jesus to touch you when maybe you could realize Jesus is here. And instead of sitting here waiting on him to touch you, maybe you could have enough faith to reach out and touch. What if instead of coming to church waiting on somebody to touch you, you reach out and touch Jesus in worship and touch Jesus in the sermon and touch Jesus in prayer and you reach out in your faith and touch the hem of his garment and while the sermon was going forth you decided to change the story you told you and Jesus said healing somebody touched me because I felt healing and virtue flow out of me he said who touched me she got a miracle and Jesus didn't even know who touched him What does that mean? That means I have a part in my miracle. I have a responsibility in my miracle. That is not a bag of miracles that Jesus comes up and throws them out and they land on whoever they land on. But I have something to do with my healing. I have something to do with my deliverance. 
I have, some, I have partnership in this with God. And if today I chose to change the story I told myself, and instead of waiting on somebody to touch me, if I would reach out and touch him, maybe I could get healed because of the story I told myself. And what I've been struggling for 12 years could now be a testimony of God's resurrection and his grace and his strength because I refuse to sit there quiet while they throw dirt on me. And I choose to ring the bell of life and say, I may have been dead. You may have thought I was dead, but because of him, I am alive in Christ. Come on, you get something out of this today. Come on, give God a praise all over the house. Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I wanna encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.